Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Hi, I'm Orlando Eastwood, director of On the Road, The Search for Bigfoot, and you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show. are listening to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We get to read fiction on the show and talk about some movies, books, you name it. If you like what I do here, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. You'll get some books and other cool stuff for your support. Go ahead and also reach out to me at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com, Aaron Horror Show on Twitter, or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We got more Mac Yarnick's Ascension for here for you today. So, just so you know, Mac Yarnick is having trouble with his girlfriend. He's broke. He's uh, living on the streets out of his apple hopper. Let's uh let's go ahead and see what's in store for him. Later that day, after he showered at the flat of one of the few friends who still let him use their place, he set his autopilot for New York. He dimmed the lights and listened to soothing music while the slow-acting recovery pills he had taken from his friend's medicine cabinet did their trick. Science had cured all the physical symptoms of withdrawal. Any craving after the pills did their duty was all in his mind. And right now he craved Cassie. He parked in the alley, made his way to the pawn shop door. Unlike the night after the confrontation with his father, he didn't hesitate. He pushed open the door with swagger and determination. Vigo flapped over to Makiarnak and said, You cannot go in there! I don't care what you think, Makiarnak said and pushed past him. She's not there. I haven't seen her in weeks. Makiarnak pushed the door open to the back. And what Vigo said was true. The room was cluttered as usual, but there was no Cassie. Something was different about the stalactite of monitors that hung from the ceiling, with a mesh of wire snaking between them. The monitors? They were not on. She always had code, galactic news, and even some weird alien soap operas playing on them. They were always displaying data 24-7 since he had known her. Now they were blank. Mac Yarnick didn't have time to process the information when he felt the warm tip of a plasma pistol against his head. Don't move, a voice commanded. It sounded familiar. Cassie? Mac Yarnick said. There was no response. He heard the sound of another device charging. He imagined the worst. Maybe she was using a disintegrator? He wasn't the type to beg, so he decided to let it all out. He told about seeing her with his father and about how it made him feel. So if you're going to kill me, do it. But know that I still love you and I forgive you. 
the device powered down, and the pistol lowered from his head. He whirled around and felt very foolish. She was holding a scanner. The display on the scanner had a list that read, Checking for listening devices. None found. Checking for weapons. None found. The pistol had just been a computer technician's rod. <laughs> nice speech, she said. Had you been rehearsing that for me? How cute. Fuck you, Makarnak said. I should have known that you were a Verdek incapable of any emotions. The Verdeks were a species from a very cold, dark planet. They conserved energy to such an extreme that emotional expression was considered wasteful. The species was slow-moving and lived for a thousand years, going into torpor during the winter, which lasted two thousand Earth days. Their whole society was very methodical, and they barely visited their moon when humans first showed up in their system. They would have been ignored had the humans not realized they had a Decran-rich gas giants to trade. Oh, jeepers, she snorted. I sure did miss that promise ring you gave me to make me your best gal. I'm not asking you to marry me just for a little respect. Oh, come on now. I saw an angle and played it with your father, and I took it. Guys can seduce and charm. They're considered a super spy, but when a woman does it, she's considered a whore. Double standard much? Don't turn this into a political debate. That's why I like you. I thought you were going to stand up for something. Turns out you're just a selfish prick like your father. I am nothing like my father. Oh, yeah? Why'd you want me all for yourself? Treat me like I'm your girlfriend or something? Is there a problem with that? I use most guys before they use me. One or two good fucks and then get them out of my life. That way they won't... Won't what? Break my heart! Cassie yelled for the first time. Since Makiarnak had been dating her, he saw a real hint of emotion. He could see it on her face and all came gushing out. When you didn't call, didn't didn't even try to text, I thought I thought that I'd fucked it up this time. I found one that finally Hey, hey, Makiarnak softened his edge and held her close. I'm here now. I'm not going anywhere. I'll never go anywhere. I I love you, she said. After they held each other in silence for a moment, she added, And if you tell anyone that, I'll cut your balls off and feed them to you. Makiarnak laughed. Cassie giggled too. It was half laugh, half cry. Makarnak felt like something had he had never experienced before. For the first time in his life, he felt happy. Death was close. Makarnak knew that it wouldn't be long now. He could feel himself slipping in and out of consciousness. There were long periods of nothingness, followed by hate for his father and remembering Cassie. Being with her had been the only fun time in his life that he was truly happy. Even though he could no longer see, hear, or access any of his senses, he could still feel emotions. He had never been with another woman since Cassie. He didn't even use immersive arcades for pleasure. Even with the thought of another woman felt like a betrayal of her. He'd lived his entire life resisting temptation, playing the long game. It was that damned woman, the one that reminded him of Cassie. It's so much tenacity and spirit like Cassie. He'd kill that mod if he ever got the chance. His thought faded. He felt himself slipping back into the void. He tried to keep Cassie's face in his mind. It was the last thing he wanted to see. The rest was darkness. Things were different between Cassie and Makiarnak now. They were expressing love in many different ways. A shoulder rub here, a lingering hug there. Even though they never verbalized any words beyond... The day they were reunited, they knew. Knowing that the other person would be there for them was enough. 
For once, Makiarnik didn't care about losing his father or his family fortune. He had everything he wanted. He had someone to love. They had spent the next few months in a state of bliss. She would try to crack the code during the day, and he would help Vigo around the shop. At night, they made love, their bodies intertwined in a state of nightly ecstasy. When he was with her, nothing else mattered. He didn't care that he was broke or owed Lara's money. Cassie was all he cared about. He wanted to support her. It was a bonus that they felt that they had the same mutual enemy, his father. She wanted to take down Rasmus because he thought he was the corporate pig with no regard for sentient life. Makiarnik just hated him, regardless of their reasons. They worked twice as hard as decrypting the data drive. Now that she had a sample of Rasmus's DNA, she was able to dig deeper into the code. She didn't have his password, but those could be cracked. It was a DNA that was near impossible to spoof. Now that they had a sample of it, it was only a matter before they could know what the secrets of the drive held. One morning, after a night where they had taken sexual stimulants to keep them up, Makiarnak was asleep in her bed. A pile of dirty clothes landing on his face awakened him. Get dressed, Cassie said, barely able to contain her in excitement. Unlike Makiarnak, she barely needed sleep and was always up well before him. Huh? What? Makiarnak said pushing sleep from his brain. I finally know what's on that hard drive. You're not going to believe it. Makiarnik stumbled down to the Bat Cave, as Cassie called it. He wasn't sure why she called it that, until she told him about an ancient Earth story about a crime fighter named Batman. She was really into classic stories, while Makiarnik couldn't care less. But that seemed to be a lot of things. She had strong opinions, and he never really thought much about it before. Since he liked her, he just went with the flow. He sat next to her on one of the various rolling chairs stationed throughout the room. She punched a few buttons on her keyboard. A verdant planet hovered before them. The stalactite of monitors also mirrored the image she displayed. The world spun on its axis. The surface of the planet was very green, covered in huge swaths of forest. There were a few areas with desert and snowpack at the poles as well as large oceans. But Makiarnik could tell the world was wild and unsettled. What are we looking at? Makiarnik said, confused. Have you heard of the planet called Nigromoto? Cassie said. No, what's this have to do with my father's hard drive? We're looking at an image from the hard drive. Makiarnik remembered something from his youth. His father had mentioned the planet. There was an alien. He was hiding behind his tapestry. It was all distant and muddled memory by now. Cassie zoomed in over a spot on one of the northern continents. The green gave way to a thick canopy of trees. He could see the outline of a city near the coast. It was small, probably the size of New York in the 20th century. The city eventually disappeared on the edge of the map, and she went in close enough to see some detail on the treetops. Eventually, she zoomed in far enough a brown spot appeared in the trees. It was a round hole in the canopy. The forest was dying, and in the center of the blight was a structure. It was a simple oval building next to a hexagonal-shaped hole in the ground. It was made of circles and ovals like human structures were made of squares and rectangles. This is a research station on Nigromoto, Cassie said before he could ask. It was built by the Shusharians. Your father's research team stumbled across it. What was my father doing on Nigromoto? He doesn't fund biology research. A scientist studying biology found the forest had decrin-rich soil samples. 
He thought that if he could find a decrin deposit, or a way to refine the soil, he could have a new source of decrin. What he found was much more exciting. What? An unlimited source of decrin. Even if the core of a planet was pure decrin, it wouldn't be unlimited, as you would like to say. Even the mighty Jupiter was mined for all of its resources. They are in mining. Then what? This video was taken by the Shisharian scientists before your father arrived and stole their research. She zoomed towards the hole, and in the satellite image was replaced by a video. It was a helmet cam from a Shisharian miner. They were bulky creatures with three arms sprouting from three edges of a torso of their triangular body. They wore hazard suits with a helmet that had a visor that could see in all directions. Makyarnak had never seen a Shisharian before. Most UPE folks never had. They were union species just like the UPE. However, the actual Shisharian race was secretive and other species acted as diplomats for the collective. The rock walls blurred past the platform as it went further into the planet. The miner with the cam looked over the edge into the darkness below. There was no sound in the video, but Makyarnik imagined the lift would have been making a lot of noise. The rock tunnel seemed to go on forever, just when Makyarnik expected to see mantle, lava, or some sort of indication that they were too deep, he saw the rock give way to empty space. The miner shifted and looked up. The rock ceiling receded into the distance. It was hard to tell the scale because of the limited frame of the camera, but Makyarnik could swear that they had just gone beyond the crust of Negromoto. It was hollow, which was impossible. The gravity of the planet was too high to be hollow. Are they on the inside of the... Makyarnik said, yes. But that's impossible. Keep watching. She hit the fast forward button. The lift was traveling in the dark. There was an inky void beyond the beam of the helmet lights. Then something changed. At first it was dim. A speck in a sea of black. Then it grew to a ring. It was active wispy ring of white light around what looked like a hole in the universe. He was looking at a singularity. Negromoto had a black hole in the center of the planet. The lift seemed to be heading towards a station orbiting the singularity. The platform looked ancient and alien. The design was not of any known race. It looked skeletal, like large, bony, black fingers. There is some Shusharian touches, a makeshift sensor array, a dock for the platform. Before Makyarna could even begin to think about the vast array of questions swirling in his mind, Cassie was the first to respond. The question is not who would build a stable black hole in the center of a planet, but what happened to the civilization that built this thing? Macarnet looked at her and back at the screen. He thought about the rock ceiling receding from the lift. There was something strange about it. It was uniform and consistent. The crust of any given planet was just continents floating on a sea of magma. It wasn't uniform at all realization hit him. Nicromoto was an ancient alien megastructure. The decrend in the soil wasn't due to natural deposits. The entire damn shell surrounding the, the singularity was a structure made of decrend. Cassie spoke next. Whoever left this here was gone long before we got here. Maybe even when Earth was just a space dust coalescing into a planet. The entire surface of Nigromoto is the dust of their civilization. The mountains are their buildings long after they crumbled to rubble. The remnants of asteroid impacts. 
The oceans are deposits of comets and other icy objects slamming into the derelict structure. The life on the planet? The scientists seem to think it involved from whoever built this in the first place. The whole damn planet involved on the ruins of a long-dead civilization. So how did the structure survive? Makiernik pointed to the floating alien platform. The scientists are pretty sure that it's the proximity to the black hole slowed its re reference of time and prevented its decay. That the rock ceiling you saw on the left going down, that's just the remnants of their civilization. Without biology and celestial objects to reshape it, it crumbled to rubble. If you're going to build a giant sphere made of Decrin, why not live on the inner surface as well as the outer? The singularity pulsed, and the haze and the event horizon began to glow in intensity and swirl around. A pod emerged from the black hole. It was the same alien design. It floated towards the platform. But nothing can escape the event horizon of a black hole. That's right. Maybe it's a wormhole. I don't know. The gravity of the planet would suggest a singularity. Either way, it delivers one of these containers every 58 minutes, 37 seconds, adjusted for time dilation, of course. What's in the container? Decrant. Pure, unprocessed decrant. Enough to run an empire. The workers of the platform unloaded the container. After a full rotation around the black hole, the container floated back towards the event horizon and disappeared inside. Makyarna could see why his father would keep this secret locked away. It's probably the biggest discovery in his father's career. His father would kill to keep the secret. While Cassie explained that anything they put in the pod going in singularity would never come out again, another re realization hit him. His father had known about the missing hard drive. He increased security, but didn't seem to be panicked over the lots. Not like he should be, considering what Makiarnek witnessed. A competitor with access to this information would ruin his father. Makiarnek should have seen evidence of the missing hard drive, and how worried his father should have been. Unless, of course, the hard drive wasn't missing, and his father knew where it was all this time. He had the thought at the same time he heard a charge blow in the door of the shop. Vigo died in a hail of plasma fire, but from the sound of it, he took out a few before he went down. Cassie didn't skip a beat. She heard a scuffle and grabbed Makiarnak by the shoulder. She tapped a few keys on her arm, and all the computers, monitors, and anything electronic blew out in a large crash. The hard drive was safely stowed in her pocket. She kicked a panel on the wall and it opened to a secret hallway. The thugs from the other room could be heard running with military precision into the back. Makiarnak had run down the dark hallway before the unknown's assailants were able to enter the Batcave. The hallway ended in a ladder leading down to the depths of the Undercity. The people following them found the secret panel and kicked open the secret door. Cassie didn't look back and slid down the ladder. Makiarnik risked a glance and saw thugs in second-hand IF power armor. They were well-equipped and mean-looking. He didn't stand a chance at running away from a person in power armor. Makiarnik slid down into the sewers after Cassie. Alright, we're almost done here. One more of Mackie Our Next Ascension. So come back next time, and we'll have the exciting conclusion of uh, Mackie Our Next Ascension. And then uh, after that, we'll go on to number six in the series, Grenork's Burden. So that is the next one in the series. Thank you so much for listening, and have a wonderful night.
goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.